What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined as always by Derek Terry. Derek, before we get into anything that people are here to listen for, it would be wrong of us if we didn't lead off this with congratulating Craig Skinner and the Kentucky women's volleyball team on a huge performance Sunday night against Western Kentucky. They advanced to the Elite Eight. They'll play Purdue tonight. That game is televised as well, and just a huge opportunity for a program to do something that they've never done. They've never been to the Final Four. This is as far as they've been. A real shame they uh, didn't get that game started until 11:35. So I don't know how many people stayed awake to watch that, but I didn't realize they were already in the into the Elite Eight. Um, that would be really great for the volleyball program. Um, Craig Skinner been there. 14 years now, 12 years, something like that. Long time. They showed, his, they showed his record last night during that match, 300-some wins, 100-some losses, uh, talking about taking over a program that wasn't successful before he got there. And he has a chance to top Purdue and get to a Final Four. And the, the crazy thing is, Derek, they might win the whole thing. Well, I'm assuming Kentucky, they were, they were the number two overall seed, right? In the whole so I'm assuming they're favored to win tonight over Purdue. Uh, what time is that game, Sean? I want to think 9 o'clock, somewhere through there, 9 or 9.30. It's not it's not supposed to be as late as last night. I, I don't think it will push till midnight. I fell asleep halfway through the second set last night. I was like, I was gone. Woke up at the end and saw they'd won. But have to, uh, hang a bath and win the night. You can hang, hang a banner up in uh, Memorial Coliseum for the yeah. volleyball team. So if you've been wanting a team to get to the Final Four, you got a chance to watch a UK team tonight. So and I, I seriously would recommend uh, turning on the tape. That's a very talented squad. Uh, a lot of fun to watch. Incredible athletes. Uh, beat an undefeated Western Kentucky team last night. I mean, Western was no slouch. They were considered... I know Hunter Mitchell, who'd been on this this team uh, on this podcast, had talked about Western being a a team to look out for. I think they were like set, ranked right behind Kentucky in overall hitting percentage this season. I don't know a ton about volleyball, but I know enough to know that Craig Skinner has a very good club. So uh, be sure to watch that one tonight. But let's transition into a lot of news that we expect. We expect a big week with a lot of stuff coming, Derek. Uh, we had a big week last week, obviously, with U.K. football recruiting, and there's going to be some of that this week as well. But as far as basketball transfer portal and everything swirling around, I think this is the week where some things are kind of going to maybe start to fall into place. It's been on pause now for a couple of weeks. Everything's been quiet. I think that that, that quietness is going to go away. Yeah, I saw John Calipari at Keeneland on Saturday. I guess he was making some moves on his uh, he's on his phone. <laughs> I saw him out there, but 
Now, uh, you're right. Between players going into the portal from other schools who are rumored to be Kentucky targets, I wouldn't be stunned. I don't think he set a decision date, but I wouldn't be stunned if uh, Ty Ty Washington decides to move on to school. He just posted a top six on uh, over the weekend. So we'll see how much longer he lets that thing play out. I don't think it'll be a crazy long time. Um, but yeah, I'm with you, Sean. I, I think you're going to see some, some decisions be made. And uh, it gives us plenty to talk about today and also hopefully for the rest of the week. And I'll, I'll add this too. I don't think we'll spend much time talking about football um, on today's podcast. But wouldn't be surprised. This is the time of year, probably this week or next week, where Stoops will have, or whoever, I'll, I'll assume Stoops, but I guess some of the position coaches as well will have some kind of exit, spring exit meetings. So they got to cut down on some numbers. You always see guys leave after spring. So it wouldn't surprise me if you have some football guys on the portal as well. And I would just recommend, based on what I've heard, um, if you're a Kentucky football fan, I'm sure you are if you're listening to this, I think Kentucky is going to be active, though, on the football side, adding some players. Um yeah. Well, actually, Sean, let's go and add this in. I didn't think we'd talk much about it, but there was some news Saturday football. Derek Jackson. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they got him listed as a freshman or a sophomore, but he's a second-year player. Uh, a leg injury, I believe, is going to keep him out for the entire season. So really bad break there. Feel bad for Derek. He's a one of the one of the great stories, actually, on this team, Sean, a guy who earned his offer at UK, and I was actually at that camp when he earned that offer, slept in the car, uh, drove up, slept in the car before – uh, he earned that scholarship offer, so really, really uh, bad news for him. Yeah, yeah, awful news. You, you know, you were hoping that they would make it throughout the spring without anything like that, but unfortunately, it's it's at a spot too where they've taken a hit. Yeah. In the last couple of years, I mean, obviously with Chris Oates last year, but Mark Stoops said it Saturday, Derek. No one was talking about Jamin Davis at this time last year. And then here's Jamin Davis, who pretty soon is going to hear his name called in the NFL draft. So where does Kentucky go from here? Obviously, Trevin Wallace, that addition is really big to the roster, and he might be forced into action sooner than what we thought. Yeah, there's no question about that. I mean, I felt like by midseason, he was probably going to be playing a pretty big role in this defense, but you might accelerate that timeline. That was kind of a roundabout way of getting to the point that I think – one, I am pretty confident Kentucky's going to add another wide receiver. I don't have a name, so it's not me knowing that there's a guy out there. That's not the case at all. I just think there's a strong interest in that coaching staff to add another piece at wide receiver. Um, and you'll see other schools have the same thing Kentucky's about to have for some guys. You'll see another jump of the portal, and perhaps, you know, with uh, that one Tom Wire waiver going through, um, you'll see a, a little bit of a spike, but Inside linebacker now as well. As I That's think what I was say. Do you think yeah. that they add someone there from the portal with that? I injury? would. Yeah, I would. If, if someone – there's still some pretty good guys out there. I don't know how realistic they are, but some of the guys uh, that maybe you read about fans back in, you know, before spring even began, some of those guys haven't even chosen a school yet. But uh, Luke Fulton, of course, has already been added. He's the guy from Michigan State. Perhaps he could play a little bit inside, but – I don't think you want to go in relying solely on uh, Trevin Wallace, the true freshman. I think Wallace would be a very, very good player for this program, possibly as soon as this season. But if they could go out and find a experienced linebacker 
someone who has proven themselves at the college level, it, I think it would be pretty wise to do that at this point. Uh, maybe, you know, I would do it either way because even a Jared Casey or someone like that, a light turns on for them. I, I still think you want to not be so green, I guess, in the middle of that's a very important spot, obviously, the Mike linebacker position here. I need somebody who you can really trust right there. And Kentucky's been fortunate the last few years. I mean, even going back to Courtney Love is a solid player, maybe not an outstanding player, but a solid player. I would say the same thing for Cash Daniel. And But Chris Oates had that, you know, I think he could have been the guy who's in Jamin's spot right now had his incident not happened. But then you have Jamin step up and do that. I mean, they've been – in a solid spot, I would say the last four or five seasons. So need to find someone there for sure to uh, kind of keep that thing going. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's transition to the basketball side. Sorry, I don't know what's wrong with my throat there. <laughs> but, um, obviously everyone come to this episode because of the title, because it has C.J. Frederick in it. So we obviously need to lead off with that news, Derek. It's news that February, I think, is when it first started coming up with his name, possibly leaving Iowa. That that doesn't mean tampering. Like I've seen people be like, well, somebody has to be tampering from UK if this just keeps being connected. No, like you stuff gets out there. I mean, people talk and enough gets out there, Derek, that we heard his name before Kentucky's season had even ended. And then we heard his name before I would even played a game in the NCAA tournament. So he's officially in the transfer portal. Uh, the report came out Sunday night, and then CJ himself put out today that you know he's leaving Iowa. C- former Covington Catholic star, Kentucky native, Kentucky roots there. Pretty big deal development happening in the last 24 hours, and it just kind of feels like that that's the guy that Kentucky is going to get from the portal at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Interesting player. Um, started 52 games over the past two seasons at Iowa, so a two-year starter. He just finished up his sophomore year. Um, his numbers were slightly down, Sean, overall. Uh, minutes, he played four fewer minutes per game. Um, shooting percentage was about the same. He shot 48.3% overall from the field as a freshman and then 47.4% um, as a sophomore. But this kid is an absolute sniper. <laughs> From three, Sean, 46.1% his freshman year, and then 47.4% this year. Um, just averaged 7.5 points overall this season after averaging 10.2 points last year. But um, assuming they don't add another, I'll say, off-the-ball guard, assuming he's the last two or three, however you want to, you know. Cal, like Kyle told us last week, Cal's telling everybody he wants to play three guards. So obviously CJ is not going to be a league guard. On this team, but if they don't have anybody else, Sean, kind of how do you see Frederick's role if he comes to UK, which is heavy, heavily speculated? Uh, but if he does come to Kentucky, how do you see his role starting the season? I don't know if he's coming to Kentucky as a starter. That's the thing. Obviously, you're a starter at Iowa, but Derek, I'm kind of concerned just from the injury standpoint. You know, he missed some games. I know Planner, is it Planner Fasciatus? How you say it? I, think uh, I know what you're talking say. about, but I'm not sure if that's how you say it. I think most people will, will know what you're saying. Though. But I know he dealt with that this season. I know McCaffrey said in a – I think McCaffrey said last week that it won't require surgery or anything on his foot. Yeah. Uh, I saw that somewhere. Maybe it was in the initial report is where I read that. But as far as shooting, absolutely you take this kid. I mean, you're talking 46 47% from three-point range to already pair with Kellen Grady and Dante Allen. 
that that's a big deal. I mean, John Calipari could go from one of the worst shooting teams in college basketball to one of the best shooting teams in college basketball. And Ty Ty Washington can shoot the ball too, Derek, if they get him. Like, you start to like what they're doing. But as far as a role, it makes more sense for me. Like, if when we get the report that Kentucky's reached out, and if he does indeed come to Kentucky, he will have three years of eligibility remaining if he decides to use the COVID waiver at the end of his senior year. That is what makes him appealing to me, is that if you can get a guy in this portal right now who is more than just a one-year plug and fill, I think you do it. I think that's worth the risk because then you're getting a developmental piece to your program, a kid who is familiar with the state of Kentucky, familiar with basketball in the state, and that's the part that makes sense. But when you look at the backcourt right now, you know you have Nolan Hickman, Kellen Grady, Dante Allen. So if Frederick's the fourth guy, and they get Washington at five. I have no idea what Davion Mintz is going to do. I've, I've said it that I went from saying I think it's he's coming back just from quotes and comments made, and then I transitioned to maybe he's not coming back just because it's taken so long. But after Kyle said what he said about Keon last week, I kind of think that Davion Mintz might be doing the same thing, Derek, that he's not going to make a decision until he knows, hey, okay, are all the pieces in place now, and is there a spot for me to slide in? Because let's say this backcourt ends up being Ty-Ty Washington, Nolan Hickman at point, and then Frederick Grady, Dante Allen, and Davion Mintz. If John Calipari is really going to commit to three guards on the perimeter, I could see all six of those guys being on this roster. Yeah, yeah, it would make sense. I think all those pieces would fit each other well, too, if yeah. that were the way they were to go. Because I, when I asked you that question earlier, I, I, I was under the assumption that Mintz would not be included in that. But certainly it would still make sense. You could see a lineup of – either Hickman or Washington as the lead guard with Grady or Mintz off the ball or, you know, and then you got one of those two point guards, whoever doesn't start plus uh, Allen and Frederick off the bench. I mean, that's plenty of shooting, you know, maybe some questions about the defense. Um, You know, Grady's starting. That's the one loss that you know, you've talked about Dante Allen that you think it's bigger for him and for Kentucky. If maybe his role is a reserve. This yes. season, not yeah, to yeah. force him into a starting role, and he could he would still play, I think, oh, with yeah. his ability to shoot. But then you could see, uh, you know, do they how do they fit this? Obviously, if they have Washington or Hickman, one of those two are starting at the point, in my opinion. And then it comes down to is Frederick or Mintz the other guy? If Mintz if does have, come back and they get Frederick, yeah, if you have Frederick, Grady, and Allen, I would. Or or Mintz, too. We'll throw him in there just for fun. If you have those four guys, I mean, I don't see any kind of scenario where at least two of those guys aren't going to be on the floor at the same time. So you're not going to get caught in a spot like this past year where they just simply didn't have enough threats from the outside. So that is one thing we should know about this team. Um, and, again, uh, like you said, I think Ty Ty Washington, if he, if he does come to Kentucky, I think he has pretty good potential as a shooter. But as we've seen – a lot of prob- probably more more guys than than not have struggled shooting as freshmen though yeah. at Kentucky. Uh, not everybody. I mean, Deron Lamb was was lights out as both years, but and Brandon Knight was pretty good too. But we've seen you know Tyrese Maxey wasn't real pretty. Uh, even Tyler Hero's shooting numbers weren't all that great as a freshman. Devin Booker, you know, you can go on and on. I know some of the roles were different than other guys, but um, I don't remember what Jamal Murray's numbers were, but. My memory would say they were pretty good, but they maybe were they really were really good. Yeah, they were yeah. really good. <laughs> so, 
It's not to say he won't shoot well as a freshman. It's just we have seen guys who are labeled as pretty good shooters as high schoolers come in and struggle yeah. a little bit. I think whoever it ends up being at point, if it's Hickman or if they land Tata Washington, and having pieces like Kellen Grady, and if they do indeed get Frederick and you have Dante Allen, those pieces that can stretch the floor there, it helps as a point guard to have all that space because then you have much more room to operate. But just looking at the overall roster and what they're doing, I've come to a conclusion here that I don't think they need to add anyone else to the front court. Your front court job right now to me, if you're John Calipari, is to convince Keon Brooks to come back to Kentucky. You're not recruiting over him, and you're not putting other bodies in that spot. Because I I think there's a lot of value in Keon Brooks being on next year's roster. And if you get Keon, which which Shibway, and with Collins, and then all these backcourt pieces that we're talking about here, I start to really like what Kentucky's doing as a roster. I do too. And uh, we were talking before we got on here. I guess eh, maybe I don't know if I want to say it's my final prediction because this stuff is so fluid. Um, I'm starting to lean, and I think you're feeling the same way. I'm starting to lean towards thinking Fred, Frederick. I, I would guess is a lock to come here. I just don't know, but how much it's with how much it's yeah. been rumored over the past few months. Plus, now he's officially been in the portal. I got to assume some decisions have already been made there. When Hoops tweeted it out last night, I was like, okay, it's. <laughs> it's done. When Dick Weiss put it out, I'm like, all right. No, it, it's really – that rumor is really expanded now. Right. So he's, you know, he's he's probably going to be here next year. Just the comments I've heard from Ty Ty Washington and the way Cal's recruiting him, I, I'm leaning towards thinking he ends up being here. And those are the last two additions in the backcourt. As of now, like I said earlier, I would say – there still would be a spot for Mintz. Uh, I still would hope that he would come back because it would be great, I think, for Kentucky if he did. But, you know, if you look at it from Davion's perspective, perhaps he is ready to just ready to move on, go play overseas or wherever and get paid to play. Um, would not blame the kid one bit because, you know, if it wasn't for this extra waiver year anyway, I mean, it's, it's probably the plan he already had in place before he ever got to Kentucky. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Um, but there's still a spot there. I think he would only obviously boost the backcourt. And then the front court. I'm going to say Isaiah Jackson follows the, the long line of of guys who, who maybe debated coming back but ultimately chose to go on. He you know, joined the Kevin Knoxes of the world. And I don't know, Emmanuel quickly last year, some guys like that who we thought, hey, maybe they might decide to try to boost that draft stock. Well, I'm just, I just don't see Jackson. I think at the end of the day he's going to get the guarantee that he wants. So, to me, Sean, in the front court, you just can't lose both those guys. You can't lose Jackson and Brooks. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetrics second half 2020 U.S. reported three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Isaiah Jackson, obviously Kyle talked to us last week. He put that tweet out this morning. Kyle is not saying that Isaiah Jackson's coming back to Kentucky. I know a lot of fans are getting their hopes up when they see stuff like that. I wouldn't get my hopes up. I mean, but I also think it's crazy to say that it can't be can't happen. I mean, I, I if you ask me right now for what it's worth, I'd say Isaiah Jackson's not on Kentucky's roster next year because how many times does something like this when you're projected possibly to be a lottery pick? I know ESPN has him as a lottery pick. Those guys don't come back. But the fact that he's working out with the team right now, still in Lexington, his father's talked to P.J. Washington's dad, it obviously tells me that there's something there, and it's a genuine decision that they're trying to make right now. It's not like they're just dragging people along. I think that there is some concern about Isaiah Jackson entering the NBA right now or entering the NBA next summer. And if he feels like it's right now, Derek, and there's enough, you obviously risk injury if you come back. And he's a guy that plays the game very, very hard. But I'm not ready to say that it's not possible. I won't ever say that it's not possible. I think that there might be something to it. But at the same time, I would encourage people to not get their hopes up. But if he does say he's coming back, then you can celebrate and be like, wow, what a surprise. But don't put all your eggs in that basket thinking that Isaiah Jackson is going to be a sophomore at Kentucky. I mean, until he signs with an agent, you might as well keep some kind of hope alive, right? Yeah, that's why I said I don't – I wouldn't shut it down. I think people are like, no, done deal, not happening. Don't – no, you're – I think that's wrong because I don't think that they would be gathering all this information. That's what they're trying to do. Uh, and that obviously – does that influence how long Keon decides to wait? Because obviously if, if Isaiah Jackson's on the roster with Damian Collins and Oscar Shibwe, still – I still have a gut feeling – that it's not set in stone yet out of all the guys that have said they're coming back. I just, I kind of want to let this thing play out a little bit, Derek, and see, is there another person on this roster that says, all right, this thing is almost set. I'm looking in a couple weeks ago, I looked to be number seven or eight. Now I'm number 11 or 12. That's the guy that I would be looking at. I don't know who that guy is, but there's someone there that's going to be left out. Do they decide to be a developmental piece and maybe take this year then decide a red shirt or something or just, but I don't know that there's still a lot of moving pieces to this that I could see change. Like I'm, I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is what does Lance Ware do? Is is that's the guy I was looking at with, with Shibway Collins. And you know, with, if Brooks comes back, you got Jacob Toppin at the four and let's say that Jackson does decide to come back. Then what do you do if you're, if you're Lance, do you know, do you say, Hey, I'll work my way in there and see what I can get play a lot as a junior. I mean, there's there's decisions still to be made on these rosters. I'm going to guess – I'm actually – I didn't say this on the podcast. I'm actually going to disagree with Kyle a little bit last week. Kyle seemed to have basically no expectations at all for Bryce Hopkins, whereas I, I do. I actually think he will play, and I think he will help a little bit. I'm not saying it's going to be, you know, 30 minutes a night or anything like that. But to answer your question on where, like, I, I just think where – 
unless Jackson and Brooks are both gone, I just think Ware's kind of going to be an, an emergency guy next year. Yeah. Because you'll think at the five, Shibway and Collins are going to dominate those minutes. Uh, and then at the four, as long as you get Jackson back, you basically see Toppin as the backup to whoever that's going to be. So if he's trying to get Hopkins on the floor too, and he's labeled by a lot of people I talk to as kind of a small ball four, uh, without having actually seen Bryce Hopkins play a full game just by watching highlights, I will probably put everything I have on him being a far more advanced offensive player than yeah. Lance Ware. So I just don't really know where Lance fits in the next season. That's not me saying he should leave. No. Because, you know, with turnover, I mean, he, he might I mean, he might play a lot as a junior. I just don't think when you're, when you're thinking big picture about this Kentucky team, he's probably not going to be too high on the list of, of priorities in terms of, you know, a guy who's – who you need to basically develop a lot to, to really help your team next year because I just think he's going to be buried, honestly, next year. And I actually disagreed with Kyle, too, on Bryce Hopkins. Uh, and we're not the only two. Somebody else texted me and said, I, I actually think that Hopkins might play a little. And the thing that Hopkins has is he's a freshman and he's going to get his opportunity because we don't know how he's going to respond. But just from watching highlight tapes, I think that we kind of got – he committed so long ago that I think we kind of forgot about him at times, like when we talk about the way that this roster is constructed and laid out. Um, but the perfect thing for me, if 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 I'm talking about this roster, is that Keon Brooks is there to play the four. If Keon Brooks is on this roster, he's starting at the four on day one, in my opinion. And then you allow Damian Collins to figure himself out how does he play? Does he play really well with Oscar Shibway? Does he play better alongside Keon Brooks? We know his skill set is obviously different than Shibway, but it doesn't throw someone into there. And then you start talking about – we I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. How many freshmen start next year? Obviously, if you have two freshman point guards on the roster in Washington Hickman, you see one of those two starting at that spot. But you could have four experienced players at two through five. And – we're talking not talking sophomores. We're talking juniors, seniors, at those spots. That's huge. I mean, if it's if, a hypothetical lineup of a freshman point guard, and then Mintz or Grady, let's say it's Mintz, Grady, Brooks, and Sheboy. All those guys will, will be at least going into their third year. Of course, Grady's Grady and Mintz would be year five, but Sheboy third year out of high school. Yeah, I mean, that's by far the most experienced starting five Cal would have at Kentucky. So I guess I'll ask this to you, Sean. If Ty Ty Washington, well, let's say CJ, I think Frederick's going to happen first, would just be my guess, um, maybe by the end of the week or something like that. I don't know how long it's going to take. Um, if Frederick is added and then Ty Ty Washington, let's say he chooses Kentucky, does that eliminate – no matter what Mintz does, use this as a scenario. Let's say Mintz leaves. Would you still go after a true college transfer point guard? I mean, if you could get Marcus Carr, I think you take Marcus Carr if you could get him, just given what he did at Minnesota. But if I don't think it's as much of a need because then what you're looking at is you're, you have shooters in Frederick, Grady, Allen, I feel much better if Davion Mintz is included in that. 
because I think if you have if if this lineup consists of Davion Mintz, Frederick Grady, and Dante Allen, people asking about what Kentucky's ceiling would be, I start to put Kentucky in that elite top ten category of possibly getting back to that final weekend of the NCAA tournament, or at least being in that second weekend with a chance to get to the final weekend, as long as they have a point guard that can blow by somebody. And I think that that's what they would have in Ty Ty Washington. I think Nolan Hickman is going to be a guy, if you put shooters around him, can really dominate and get by somebody and get everybody else involved. That's the difference. If Now, and that's the thing, like we're looking at this. If they get Frederick, then Cal has actually committed to getting what in this portal? Shooters. Mm-hmm. No dead spots. That is the biggest thing that I want to look at here in about a month or so, did he add anyone that just you look at and be like, okay, where's this guy fit with what you're really wanting to do? If you're wanting to play three guards, don't go get Isaiah Briscoe and stick him at the three, you know, like they did a few years ago. Don't do not do that. Get a C.J. Frederick that can shoot the ball, a Kellen Grady that can shoot the ball, Dante Allen, Davion Mintz. But if they have a point guard like Washington, I think that that's the thing, that that's the piece that you need if you get – Frederick too. It's just somebody that can beat their man off the bounce. You don't have to have a 20-point score at the point guard spot if you got all these shooters there. But in return, whoever that point guard is is going to benefit from those guys that can space the floor like that. Sheboy is going to benefit from it. Damian Collins is going to benefit from it. And this is where Keon Brooks comes into play too. I think he'd benefit from it as well. I think today's conversation really underscores just how important these decisions are from, from Mance, Jackson, and Brooks. I mean, I think there is probably a world out there where all three of those guys might be elsewhere next season. Uh, I, to me, that's not the, to me, the most likely scenario. Well, I don't want to say most likely. I don't know. I, I just think it's hard. Like, I still see a spot where Mintz would really, really help this team. And I think, but Mintz might, like I say, he might have reached a point where he just thinks, you know, coming back to school would be, for Mintz, I think coming back to school would solely be for the, true Kentucky experience. It wouldn't be – his draft stock is probably not, not going to be any better next year than it is this year. He's just – he's not going to be an NBA draft pick. He's – if he plays professionally, I think he's good enough to play overseas. Yeah. That's where it's going to be. So you could go get a start on it this year or he could wait another year. Like, I think that opportunity will be there for him. So, you know, you just have to take into account how much does – does the Kentucky experience matter? I think for Davion Mintz, if he were to come back to Kentucky, he would he would be a happier person <laughs> next year because you're talking about all that experience. He would have more guys around him who know what it's going to take to play in a college program. You're not going to be surrounded by uh, for for I don't know if this is totally fair, but you're not going to be surrounded around freshmen who are who are all about getting theirs and going off to the NBA. Like I think you will have a more true. Um, I mean, another guy like Kellen Grady, who's in the same spot that you are, basically, who came to Kentucky after having a pretty good career elsewhere and just looking to raise their profile. Sheboy's been around. If Brooks comes back, obviously he'll know Keon from playing with him. Like, I think Davion would help next year's team a lot. Um, and I'm I'm starting to go back to if they if they were to get Davion and Brooks back, I and add Frederick and Washington. I would be back to thinking that's a team that, that could that could definitely contend for a Final Four. Um, one thing quick, uh, saw this today, Sean. CBS Sports updated their top 25 plus one. 
they've got Kentucky fourth right now in the SEC. In basketball? Behind, uh, yeah, basketball. Behind Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee. Tennessee moved ahead with, with John Fulkerson returning. They're one spot ahead of Kentucky now. And, of course, that's subject to change. And then on, who else Kentucky adds. on that roster. Uh, that's right, though. As it stands, I agree. All three of them have to be ahead of Kentucky right now. And what does Kentucky do in the coming weeks? Um, not sure. But I will say this. I A couple of weeks ago, I didn't think that they would add three guards, counting Mintz. If Mintz comes back, I'm counting him as being – if any of Keon comes back, I'm counting those guys as being added because I feel like you're actually having to recruit those guys as well in addition to the portal in high school. But I see room now, Derek. I didn't see room for Davion Mintz with all these pieces if they get C.J. Frederick. But now that Frederick is in the portal, I think it all makes a lot more sense. I think they'll add Frederick. I think they'll get Ty Ty Washington. And then even if Davion Mintz doesn't come back, I'm going to watch it closely to see if they add another guy off the ball. I think this is a fair question. So I'm going to ask it. Will Dante Allen and C.J. Frederick be battling for the same minutes? <laughs> Are they not kind of the same player? So what I'm trying to say is I think it's going to take some change from Cal as well to maybe utilize the things we're talking about, about spreading it out, shooting the ball better, things like that. They're They're battling for the same minutes if Isaiah Jackson comes back. If Isaiah Jackson doesn't come back, they're not battling for the same minutes. Because then I think that Toppin, Keon at the four. With Damian Collins ever now and then playing alongside Sheboy. But the way college basketball is officiated, Sheboy on the floor by himself a lot, Collins on the floor by himself a lot with foul trouble, things like that. But if, if Isaiah Jackson comes back, someone's getting pushed out because there's going to be Sheboy and Jackson on the floor together a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. But if he commits to playing three perimeter players, I don't know how often C.J. Frederick and Dante will be on the floor together, but I think that there's a rotation there to where you get Dante. That's the, that's the cool thing about it. Dante could play the two. Dante could play the three. And you can get, you can get by with it. I mean, they played Isaiah Briscoe pretty much out of position for two years because they had Malik Monk, Darren Fox, Jamal Murray, and Tyler Ewis. Like, how much did Briscoe actually handle the ball? Remember how they'd put him, he'd step on the baseline 15 million times? Because <laughs> they have him, like, that's the thing. But that was such a dead spot because he couldn't shoot the ball. You're talking about pieces now that can stroke the thing. And that's the thing that I want to see Cal do I want to see how Cal acts when he's got dudes that's just flat out burying it from three-point range consistently and just see how he reacts to it then. But then you still can play bully ball if you want to because you got that dude now in Sheboy. They have two of the top ten transfers. That's not bad. I think people forget about what they did with Sheboy in January. I think that gets kind of lost in this offseason because it counts pretty much towards last season because he was on the roster and practicing. If they can get Frederick this week or next week or whenever, and then they get Ty Ty Washington, it's been pretty good, been a pretty successful offseason, in my opinion. As long as you don't lose Keon Brooks and run him out the door, that's the one I think has to come back. If, if you, had, I've been saying it that I wanted De, uh, Davion Mintz back. 
I think the more that I've sit here in the spring has gone on, you need guys like Keon Brooks in your program, and you need them to feel like there's a spot for them. And that's the other thing we don't know. We don't know how good Keon Brooks can be. He came back after an injury this year. What's he like after a healthy offseason and fall and starts the year? And then you put other pieces around him, and I think he fits the four better than he does the three. Yeah, Isaiah Briscoe, he, my baseline, led to a lot of stepping out of bounds. and a lot. He got blocked a lot. I remember that being a storyline, having to ask him about having a shot blocked so many times. So, hey, that's what happens when you put a six-foot-three guy down there with the, all the bigs all game. But I'm with you. Um, if the if the if he, as long as you can get one of Jackson or Brooks back, I think that's solid. Uh, I, I love to think about what the defense might be like with Isaiah Jackson and Damian Collins on the floor together, but um, probably not going to happen though in the long run. Last thing let's talk about today, Sean. We got a few minutes left here uh, before wrapping up. Reported this morning, uh, and this all moved kind of quick. That Joel Justice, of course, the UK assistant uh, who's been on the show before. Interviewed for the head coaching job at UNC Greensboro, which was the vacated position left uh, when Wes Miller left to go to Cincinnati. So UNCG has moved on and hired Radford head coach Mike Jones. So that will knock, obviously, Joel out of that spot. Um, Kyle Tucker tweeted this morning, perhaps he could be a look at Radford, which, of course, is a small school in Virginia. But I've had a lot of success with it on my own in college hoops 2K8 back in the day. Um, but – there, Sean, there are a lot of rumors out there, and I guess we shouldn't ignore them. There, there's a lot of rumors out there. There could be some some coaching staff changes coming to Kentucky. Yeah. And you and said, I would, and I will add to this, I think they're legitimate rumors. Yeah. More than one? More than one, yeah. Yeah. We we won't get into it until there's more concrete stuff there because there, there's just too much right now to really add. But, yeah, I would uh, – I guess it's safe to say that don't not only pay attention to the transfer portal, but I definitely pay attention to the coaching staff as well in the coming days because uh, there's a lot of movement going on at UK right now, Derek. I think that's why we haven't had – I think that's why we've had a slowdown when it comes to commitments and maybe guys announcing whether they're coming back or not. I think there's a lot of people just waiting to see what this thing looks like, not only the roster, but maybe what the staff looks like. Yeah, and it's, it's April 19th. I mean – I just think kind of the, the timeline of everything with college probably probably accelerated by the pandemic because the NBA stuff is still pushed back so much. But it's almost like, I don't know, it's like the maybe April will not be – it's not going to be late in the offseason anymore, you know. I mean, I think these schools are going to have changes going all the way until like July. It's just going to be crazy. But, um, yeah, like Sean said, keep your eyes on that this week. We'll definitely have, you know – we're ready we're to talk about it. Yeah, we're, we're expecting for it to happen. This will probably be a pretty pretty big week, and I think a lot of movement there. And, again, like I said, too, don't forget about football. I think this will be a week for football where you see some, some transfers and things like that, too. I've not had that confirmed to me. It's just that, that time of year, usually you see guys leave after spring once they know where they kind of are in the pecking order. So, um, Sean, is there anything else you want to talk about today? I was just going to say that I think the number that they'll get to is 12. On basketball, on the roster. I think they'll get the 12 scholarship players. Uh, What that 12 looks like remains to be seen, but I think that the news of Frederick and the portal, if that goes fast, that might be the piece that kind of sets it all in motion, in my opinion. And obviously, Tata Washington. I don't think Cal would have offered Tata Washington if he didn't think he was getting Tata Washington this late. 
He's been pushing hard for him. I mean, he's really taking control of that recruitment. So. Which tells me possibly that they're they're not going to add a point guard from the portal too. That if they add somebody else, it would be off the ball. In addition, if it is C.J. Frederick, I still think that depending on what Davion Mintz does, you could go into next year with 11 scholarship guys. You go in with 12. If I'm Kentucky, I go in with 12. I don't go in with 11. Um, have, have we moved on from Adam Miller? This. Well, I still think I don't know because well, I don't want to give any. I don't want to say anything, but I wait until after the coaching staff stuff, and then we'll 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 see what happens with that. What do you think? Wink, wink. Yeah, <laughs> without uh, saying possibly. I, I haven't moved on from that yet. Would be interesting. He was one of the guys I thought for sure was was pretty interesting, just given his kind of recruiting background and how much he played for a good team. I, I thought he was someone you could, I, I say, take a chance on. Really, not taking a chance on him. He's somewhat proven, but a good player to possibly add to the program. Um, Sean, I think that's about all for me today. I'm I'm not even putting it past that we might have a couple episodes a day per week, just because <laughs> as we record this on Monday, nothing has happened yet. It's two o'clock on Monday. We could be back if some stuff starts to go. I, I wouldn't think anything's going to happen tonight, but it could, I suppose. So just stay on the lookout. Keep uh, subscribed to Kentucky Daily. We got some messages, Sean, from people saying they just found us. Yeah. And that they're glad they did. Well, we appreciate that. We're glad that you found us. Tell your friends about us. Uh, leave reviews, subscribe, rate us five stars, do all those things. It really helps us out. And we, we really appreciate um, how much we're growing. Uh, checking the numbers, it's just far and away already been our best month at Kentucky Daily. So that yeah. wouldn't be possible without all of you listening. So we thank you so much for that. Absolutely. And we're I know we're considering doing a basketball-only mailbag somewhere middle of the week this week, possibly, depending on what all happens. If something happens here in the next 24 to 48 hours, I, I think we might ought to do a basketball-only mailbag maybe Wednesday. But don't start sending in questions for that yet. Wait for me to tweet it out because I just want to – we want to see what happens in the coming days. Uh, but get out to the Butcher's Pub, two locations, one in Palmville, one in Williamsburg. And then, Derek, I've been invited to a soft opening at the Butcher's Pub London this coming weekend. So I'm going to get down there with Josh, try it out. I'll definitely give some feedback, let you all know about that location. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.